Hey guys, so we're carrying on with our King's Cross series this week um, and the theme this week is the waiting room. We're looking at waiting, which I think we're all getting pretty good at. I'm guessing you can probably see behind me there that amazing queue for Tesco's that we've all spent many hours in of late. Um, I did consider trying to preach an entire sermon whilst in the queue for Tesco's, but I thought that might be a little bit weird and awkward. So instead I'm just doing my introduction from here. I'm going to go do my shopping now after I've waited in that long queue and I'll probably actually do the sermon when I get home, I think. Um, In the meantime, why don't you guys listen to this week's reading, which is from Mark chapter 5. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders, named Jairus, came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her, so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for twelve years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors, and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak, because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realised that the power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be free from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Kalithakum, which means, Little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was twelve years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Well, after doing that shopping trip, I need a cup of tea. And anyone else for a brew? Oh no, wait, you can't, can you? Because you're not here. Never mind. I need my cup of tea. So, in that passage we've just heard, Jesus is confronted with two people who are in need of his help, who are in need of his healing power. On the one hand, we've got this little girl who is at the point of death. She is about to die. 
On the other hand, we've got this woman who has been suffering with bleeding for 12 years. That's as long as the little girl has been alive. She's suffered a lot. Both of them are desperate. Who should Jesus prioritise? Who should he go to first to bring that healing? It's a difficult question, isn't it? Perhaps you might like to comment underneath. Who do you think the priority should be, the little girl or the woman? Who should get healed first? Go ahead and comment now. Of course, that kind of question is exactly what the NHS are having to face every day at the moment. Who do they prioritise their care for? I'm sure we've all read about how routine appointments and, and routine treatments and operations are being put on hold while the doctors and nurses prioritise the care for those who are critical, for those who are at that point of death and need immediate care. Those are really hard judgment calls to have to make. I hope as as we go out every Thursday night and and applaud the NHS, we're remembering not not just the sacrifices that they're making and the risk they're putting themselves under in the, the stress that it is for them to be working in that environment with all of their protective gear on, but also the the burden of responsibility that they're taking on themselves to make those judgment calls. Well, obviously for the NHS, the priority is those who are critical, those whose life is at risk. Does Jesus follow that protocol, though? No, he doesn't. Why on earth does he not rush to that little girl and heal her? The the woman can wait, surely. She's suffered 12 years. Another day or two isn't going to make any difference, surely. He needs to get to that girl. And I'm sure that's what that father's heart is saying, Jesus. My daughter is about to die. We've done all we can. You are our last hope and we need you now before it's too late. Come on. I I can imagine if this was set in modern day, you know, he'd perhaps have his mobile phone and and be ringing ahead to the household saying, it's okay. Jesus is on his way. Just hold him for five minutes longer. Hold on. We'll soon be there. And as this crowd walks with him, you could imagine the father pushing the crowd aside, saying, make way, come on, we've got to get there. Mind out, we're on a mission here. And then there's an interruption. Jesus stops and asks, who touched my cloak? Seems a crazy question, given that they're in this great big crowd. I appreciate that might be a hard concept for some of us to get our heads around right now, because it's probably been a while since we've been in a massive crowd like that. But Jesus stops to ask who touched his cloak. Can you imagine the father's reaction at this point? Who cares who touched your cloak? We need to get there. How much longer have we got to wait? Come on, time is running out. How long must we wait? But they're going to have to wait a little bit longer because Jesus is pausing to do something else for a moment. So I imagine that the woman too is wondering, how long have I got to wait? How long until I'll be healed? You know, it tells us she's been suffering for 12 years. Remember that as long as the little girl has been alive. And the passage told us that she'd suffered under many different physicians. You can imagine her life story of going to see many different doctors each time with a 
some weird and wonderful cure, goodness knows what, what treatment and what traumatic treatments perhaps they gave her, building up her hopes each time, and every time that crushing disappointment, as she realised it hadn't worked, she still wasn't healed. But then she hears about this man Jesus, that he really can heal, just like that. And so she resolves that if she can just go and touch the corner of his cloak, she will be healed. Her long wait will be over. Now, it's important that we understand what it means for her to go and touch Jesus' cloak. As a woman in Israelite society, to, to be bleeding meant that she was unclean. I wonder if any of you have had to be in self-isolation because you've been displaying symptoms and you've perhaps had to be shut away from everyone else in your family even. That's what she'd been going through for these 12 years. She was not allowed to be amongst other people in society. She was unclean. And so for her to come out in amongst this crowd of people, to come and touch a Jewish rabbi was a huge thing. She must have been terrified that she'd be caught out. You, you know that feeling you perhaps have when, when you're out and about and, and you have that urge to cough. And you're like, no, I don't want to cough because everybody's going to think I've got it and I'm spreading it. How much more so for her if she was found to be out in public like that? She would be shamed. She would be humiliated. She would be disciplined. And yet she takes that courageous step to go and touch Jesus' cloak. Now, I imagine what her plan was, was to quietly creep unnoticed through the crowd, touch his cloak, and then just sneak away again, unnoticed. But Jesus had a different plan. Who touched me, he asks. And, and the disciples and everyone's like, what? This is a big crowd. There's loads of people here. But she comes forward. He knows already who touched him. He's God. But he asks her to come forward. He wants a conversation with her. Was she going to be told off? She just touched a Jewish rabbi and made him unclean too. And she tells him the whole truth, her whole story of all of the, the trials she's been through, of every time her hope was crushed. And he says to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. He calls her daughter. What would it mean for her as someone who has been cast out of society, cut off from people for so long, to be called daughter, part of the family. Your faith has made you well. question that we imagine are on the hearts of the father and of this woman is how long do I have to wait? How long 
until I will be healed. But I wonder if there's a more important question for them to ask, and that's, what am I waiting for? What was the woman waiting for? You see, the obvious answer is that she was waiting to be healed of her bleeding. But Jesus knows that actually she's waiting for a lot more than that. As a woman deemed unclean in that society, she was an outcast. She, As she went through that journey of seeing doctor after doctor, having treatments put upon her and, and them failing, she would have felt powerless. She would have felt hopeless. And her purpose in society, as a woman in that society, would have been to, to bear children, to keep a home. And those are exactly the things that she couldn't have done while she was bleeding, while she was unclean. So really, what she's waiting for isn't simply to be healed of her bleeding, but it's waiting to be accepted in society, waiting to be loved by others, waiting to find purpose, waiting to feel a true sense of worth, waiting for freedom. Jesus knew that was what she needed. And when he says to her, your faith has made you well, that word well, the the original Greek word is sozo in, in my best Greek accent. And that word is just as often translated as rescued or saved. Jesus has done more than heal her of her bleeding. He has rescued her and saved her. Her faith has made her well. She needed to meet with him, to hear those words, to be called daughter, to know that she wasn't just healed, but she was accepted. She wasn't condemned for coming forwards to him. She was loved. She belonged with him as a daughter. She has worth. So I wonder if for some of us, we perhaps need to change the question we're asking. If we're going through life waiting for something, and I I don't know what that might be for you right now, but if our question we're asking is, how long have I got to wait? Perhaps we need to change that question. Perhaps we need to be asking, what am I waiting for? What am I waiting for? waiting still for Jesus to come and heal her. In fact, while this business with the woman is going on, some people from his household arrive and tell him, your daughter's died. It's too late. We've waited too long. But Jesus says to him, do not fear, only believe. Because you see, The one thing that Jesus has over the NHS is that to Jesus, healing someone and raising them from the dead, no difference. Both equally doable. With Jesus, it's never too late.
So Jesus carries on with the father and they arrive at the house and the little girl is dead. Try and imagine the scene with me. The, the, the way that you mourned in that culture wasn't the, you know, the, the, the quiet British way. It says there was this commotion and great wailing, not just the girl's family who, who were grieving in, in such a raw way, but they would have had the professional mourners there, the, the people who came to every funeral, to every death, to, to wail and encourage the family in their grief. And these are exactly the guys who, when Jesus says, what's all the fuss about? She's not dead. She's just asleep. They laugh at him because they know she really is dead. They've seen enough dead people before to know this. She really is dead. And they laugh at Jesus' ridiculous suggestion that she's just sleeping, that she can just wake up. What I love is that Jesus then sends all of these crowds away. He sends them out. So it's just him, a few of his disciples, and the little girl's mum and dad. And in that intimate moment, he goes over to the little girl lying on her bed and takes hold of her hand. And those words he says, Talitha kum, it's basically an affectionate way of saying, come on, sweetheart, up you get. The the way a mother would to, to her child of a morning, come on, poppet, time to get up. And the little girl gets up. So let's think again about that question, how long do I have to wait? And perhaps you feel you've been waiting a long time. Perhaps you feel you've been waiting for something for too long, that that you no longer have any hope, that you've had too many failed attempts at whatever it is you're seeking, that your dream has perhaps died. But it's never too late for Jesus. He specialises in resurrection. He can resurrect your dream. And it doesn't have to be a a big drama like it was with the little girl. He can just come very gently to you and say, come on, up you get. It's time to go again. It's time to start that life again. But can we quit worrying for a bit about how long we have to wait and ask the bigger question, What are we waiting for? What am I waiting for? You know, you may have one particular thing on your heart that you're waiting for. Maybe for you it's it's a a desire for healing from some kind of physical or mental illness. Maybe for you, you're waiting for rescue from a financial crisis or perhaps You're waiting for for someone to save you from your loneliness. When you come to Jesus, he can heal all those things. But be prepared for him to bring you a whole lot more. He doesn't just heal the one thing you come with. He brings wholeness. He offers you belonging as, as a child in the family of God. He offers you status as a son or daughter of the King of Kings. He offers you forgiveness that never again can anyone condemn you for the things you mess up. 
He offers you his strength. He offers you purpose as a servant of God. He offers you a whole new life lived in his power. And these things you don't have to wait for. They're available the moment you come to him. The other things you're waiting for may not arrive today. They may not arrive tomorrow. You may have a long wait for those things. But why not come into the waiting room with him? You know, a waiting room is is a safe place to wait. It's, It's a sheltered place. It's somewhere where you can wait in a little bit more comfort. Why not come into the waiting room with Jesus? Lord Jesus, you know the things that are on my heart. The things that I have been pleading for, the things that I have been searching for for so long. And I don't know how long I have to wait, Father. I don't know if you're going to bring those things to me now or if I have longer to wait. But Jesus, I choose to wait with you. And I choose to receive all of the things that I didn't even know I needed. I choose to to wait with you knowing that I am loved. I choose to wait with you knowing that I am forgiven. I choose to wait with you knowing that I have worth and purpose. I choose to wait with you knowing that I belong as your child. Amen. Let's finish our time together this morning by worshipping him.